welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches. We are live with a whole another episode for y'all. And we're only a couple hours removed from the eruption of a huge volcano. So this is very exciting. Uh, the world is ending. Where was this? How did I uh, miss this? Tonga. I don't even know where that is. I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's in Africa somewhere. The Democratic it's probably, Republic of the Tonga or something like that. Uh, it's a country in Oceania. So, South Pacific. And it, <laughs> it was probably a volcano already. Just nothing but a volcanic island. But it erupted. So, that's fun. Exciting. Good times. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was nowhere near as explosive as that halftime show. Am I right? <laughs> Got him. Did you see? Uh, did you see? Fifty is uh, not thrilled about the body shaming that's going on. I wouldn't be either, man. He's like fifty years old, so let him do what he wants. I I don't disagree with that. <laughs> yes, he obviously stayed in the candy shop, but who am I to judge? I mean, I'm actually kind of jealous of him. He has stayed in the candy shop. That's. I mean, can't can't hate him, man, for that. I'd take that opportunity if given it. Exactly, exactly. Hanging upside down and eating lollipops to heart's content. <laughs> Something like that, right? Something along those lines. Anywho, we got some news to get through. Um, then we have a special segment today. Now that the coaching hires have officially settled, uh, yeah. we're going to go through, yeah, in theory, we're going to go through <laughs> each of them, give our thoughts on them, and give some awards. To a couple of teams. Um, we'll see. We'll see what we're talking about. Um, maybe some other things on tap. I know we have a very, very nice extended edition of Bracket Time to get us really underway. So very much so looking forward to that. Before we get anywhere, though, we have to talk about this news. You ready? Let's do it, man. Hop right in. So let's talk about the coaches first because the Vikings did introduce their new head coach. Everyone expected it would be Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. And they announced it today, right, technically, uh, even though it's kind of been known for two weeks at this point. Uh, it's, but it's, it's been like an show. open secret, I guess, because we've, right. we've talked about it on the show before already, multiple times, actually. So, Right, right. <laughs> the official introduction was today. And, I mean, it's, it's great. You know, that's fine. Fine. Fine hire. <laughs> uh, we will talk about it in a little bit more detail in a bit. In a bit. Give it a second. Uh, some other coaching news, though. Pretty interesting. Zach Taylor just got a huge extension all the way through 2026. That is great to see. You have to reward your Super Bowl runner-ups there. AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. On a very unexpectedly fantastic season. Absolutely. And... You know, the champs are the Rams, Bobby. I'm, I'm glad they finally got another championship. It's disappointing they got it in uh, L.A. and not in St. Louis. <clears throat> but as far as the Bengals go, I mean, yeah, everybody was fading them most of the year. They were up and down. They were down hard. And somehow not only won the AFC North that somehow fell apart on itself. Right. But then made it all the way to the Super Bowl, and they had that game won. I would say for a decent majority of it. So the fact that they were able to uh, to do what they did 
uh, and against this Rams team too, right? I mean, we talked about that defense. They were we talked about all the problems with that offensive line ad nauseum, and for the most part, they were able to prevent the Rams from affecting the game. It fell apart at the end. We knew it would. But overall, this was a great season, and there's no way anybody in that Bengals front office expected that this season, or really anybody around the NFL. I don't know that Zach Taylor could have even realistically expected this kind of a season. So, good to see the extension. Hopefully they can build on that success. Hope to see him back. I really do. This was a fun team. Uh, that's kind of it for coaching news up top. We do have some player news to go through. I don't know how much of this we really want to spend too much time on. A couple of retirement rumors. You know, Hollywood yeah, this... Brown thinking about going to a gaming league full-time. So I... I've seen that this is completely bogus. Uh, I've seen that this is legit. I mean, anywhere in between, right? Right. On the one hand, it would make sense. It's a lot less wear and tear on your body to just sit and play video games in some regards, and it's definitely probably better better for your mental health. You know, you just step away and walk away from it whenever you want. You don't. You're not stuck there playing for sixty minutes when you're getting your ass kicked, right? On the other hand. I've also heard he's just trolling Ben Albright. Like, legitimately, Ben Albright's name was brought up, but specifically who he was trolling. Which is uh, fantastic, by the way. I fully approve if that's the case. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, haven't seen anything official from him, nothing official from the Ravens. It's, it's a waiting game at this point. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, the second thing, again, I didn't. I didn't want to like loop back around to the Alvin Kamara thing uh, earlier this week because we were talking about the Super Bowl, and then same thing last week with our second show last week. Uh, but this assault actually happened before the Pro Bowl, so the fact that he was even allowed to play is mind-boggling to me. And I know we're getting to this kind of late, but that shouldn't have happened. Like shame on the NFL for that. What's even worse is that Chris Lanham, Lamum, Lamon, Chris Lamon. Chiefs cornerback, corner, not quarterback. He's not backing up Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's apparently wanted in connection with the assault. And, again, it's, the fact that Kamara was allowed to play and now there's another player that was potentially involved with it, I I don't know, man. I really don't know what to say about that one. I was going to kind of avoid it and talk about this next one because we don't have any real details, man. I don't know. What's going on with yeah. that situation? It's kind of all speculation at the moment. Yeah. And I don't like speculating on legal issues, especially this kind of severity. I don't I don't like speculating on legal issues. Uh, but it popped back up, and right. I, I wanted to talk about Kamara, like the, the fact of when this happened right. as well. So, or allegedly took place, whatever. Whatever's going to keep us from getting sued, right? <laughs> right. Um, did have some other potential theoretical retirement news to talk about, though. And they wouldn't shut up about it during the Super Bowl. All the broadcasters uh-huh. were talking about Aaron Donald potentially going out on top if, if he wins this game. Okay, I don't believe that's going to happen. That doesn't make any sense. He is signed for three more years for like $130-some million. Why would you walk away right now? Also, it seems like Von Miller and OBJ are kind of together with Aaron Donald, wanting to go back to the Rams this year, all three of them together. That would be huge 
for the Rams. And that's uh, that's a lot of your production right there this season. I know Von Miller's getting up there in age, but he was certainly still very productive. Hopefully OBJ's back. He was a great part of that team, second part of this season. So I hope to see all three of them back. I believe that Aaron Donald will be back. But we don't know yet, technically. And I think uh, OBJ wants to come back. And, it, I mean, he definitely was in a better position. Bobby, your earlier comment, I completely agree with it. That's going to be a blowout. He doesn't get hurt. And we said it on the last episode. He probably wins Super Bowl MVP if he doesn't go out of that game. He's on <laughs> for it, for sure. Uh, he had – he might have even had a case had they, you know, had uh, – had Cooper Cup not gotten that last touchdown. Like, if that's if that ends up being a handoff to Henderson or Akers or something, or even a sneak, he still had a case for it. Uh, as far as Aaron Donald, Sean McVay, I, I don't know. I can't imagine that McVay especially. Like, that one's more of a head-scratcher than even Hollywood Brown potentially retiring. I think if Donald, if he's going to hinge on OBJ and Vaughn Miller, those two guys sound like they want another ring. They want to take it, another shot at this, another swing at this. So all these are head scratchers to me. But you get that core back. You get those that set group of guys back. It's going to be a lot like what we saw with the Buccaneers this year where everybody wants to continue to be a part of something great. Didn't work out for the Buccaneers this year, but we certainly know how hard it is to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Hard enough to win one in the first place. So congratulations to those guys. It is huge. I love to see it. Um, kind of some of the biggest names in the game right now all coming together in L.A. and winning one. It was kind of cool to witness. Appreciate it. Um, a little bit of extracurricular news. Not talking about Super Bowl champs. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans. Looking to renovate the stadium. I know you have talked ad nauseum in the past about how bad Nissan Stadium is. And I've never actually been to the stadium from the aerial coverage. It looks kind of nice. I'll give them that. But apparently it needs some real foundation work. They're talking now. It looks like they'll need to replace all of the windows in the entire stadium, all of the electrical, and all of the plumbing. So (laughs) at this point, it's looking like it might be, it might make more economic sense to just build a whole, whole new stadium. Or... Hear me out. Move to Memphis. <laughs> there you go. Liberty Bowl's right there. Just go back to where you said you're going to split your time anyway, which, let's be real, splitting time between Nashville and Memphis, that doesn't make any sense to begin with. Right. But go back to Memphis, and it, even if that's your interim, it's. I think the Liberty Bowl's a nicer I – I wouldn't say nicer, but I think it's bigger than Vanderbilt Stadium. You're going to be able to pack more people in there. You might have a hard time doing it with uh, Memphis really kind of hating Nashville. It could be interesting, uh, depending on what happens there. And I don't know what happened to Doug there. It looks like I lost him for a minute. But I will get him back when I can. We'll just roll on to this next one. Uh, another weird uh, kind of legal thing here. There he is. You're back. Internet problems, man. I don't know what's up. <laughs> I wanted to say the Titans should go to Bristol, where they played that UT – Virginia Tech game, that one just, just do it in a Thunder Valley. Have one hundred and fifty thousand people there every single Sunday. It'd be incredible. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. 
it would be it would definitely be interesting. What is actually probably going to happen is that Tennessee is going to work together with the Titans organization, get them a nice dome, and they're going to try to host the Super Bowl in Nashville. I think too. I've seen you know the I don't know if it's an MLS or U whatever USL United Soccer whatever the minor league is. They've got a a riverfront uh, stadium now. And I don't think Nissan's too far off the water. It's been a minute since I've driven past. And... It's kind of in between two branches of a river, so it's yeah, it's so on the water. Yeah, I, I don't know how much nicer of a location they would want. Um, I don't know. It, it, when you start getting into the situation that they're in, where construction and repair costs is going to cost more than just building a new stadium, that's not really a good place to be in. Here's my hokey solution which would be great to see and will never happen just tear down the existing one build a new one in its place and in the meantime play at vanderbilt it's it's doable and i mean it's not a bad stadium it's not a bad stadium you stay in nashville where your right. fan base already is just just throwing it out there Bears did it. Bears played in Champaign when Soldier Field was being desecrated. Right. It'd be hard to imagine them going away from just trying to play at Northwestern now. Maybe they got some oh, help from the state they, to go to Champaign. They'd even go play at Wrigley Field over going back to Champaign at this point if they were going to wait out Soldier Field being renovated. Which, you know, that would be are, really cool, actually. The uh, I know. And that's where they originally played, but... Right. That's, that's a different discussion. The city of Chicago, too, is actually starting to try and push more to keep the Bears in Chicago. Mm. I don't, I, I just don't know what the hell they're going to be able to do to Soldier Field. The biggest problem is that it's a small stadium in the NFL. Right. Where the hell are they going to put more seats? Right. There's no room in that part of downtown Chicago. Right. And, and I, you know, I don't think they, uh, I don't think they thought that the Bears would take all the steps they did to moving out to Arlington. And now it's looking like a very real possibility. They've got a very real partner that will help them build it and help them make exactly what they want out there. And uh, Chicago finally figured out, like, oh, shit, they're not bluffing. So it's going to be interesting. Two new stadiums in the next 10 years, potentially, between well, Tennessee and Chicago. More than and that, then the Bills Buffalo, are yeah. Yep, I almost forgot basically, about that. basically right on the same site in Orchard Park still, which is a huge win for Orchard Park. That is massive because they were looking like they were for sure going to be moving. So mm -hmm. to get a new stadium basically in the same footprint, that's pretty awesome too. Mm -hmm. uh, some other things I know you were starting to get into it when I <laughs> dis disappeared for a moment. Uh, I'll let you get back to it, man. That's what I just wanted to add some stuff to. Stadium talk. Yeah, so I mean, a, a little bit more uh, weird, controversy, legal stuff. <clears throat> but the Cowboys are paying a $2.4 million settlement uh, when four cheerleaders accused Vice President Richard Daryl Limp? Daryl Limp? Of voyeurism in 2015. It was, uh, it was just your old school classic Peep and Tom. And the Cowboys are now paying out $2.4 million for it. Uh, you know, I hadn't heard anything about this until today. I actually saw it. I can't remember where else I saw it earlier today. 
But it's nice to see that the Cowboys are actually having all this out in public. They're willing to talk about it and move forward. Right. Uh, because the other NFC East team that is dealing with these issues is not. And it looks very, very bad. How their owner is still the owner of the team is beyond me. Uh, yeah, we could go on about that for a little bit, but we're not going to. There's, there's His day's coming, I have a feeling. And the NFL's day is probably coming in all of this as well. I could go on for hours just about everything that needs to happen. But yeah. I won't. Yeah. Just suffice it to say, hopefully there's another NFL team on the market for sale pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is a great time to remind everybody. If you want to go to patreon.com backslash DDT football. Help us buy you the want Denver to make- Broncos. Yeah, you want to make a donation big enough to help us buy the Denver Broncos. We will uh, give you a real ownership share. It won't be those bullshit ones like the Packers give out. You will have a real real share. Yeah. Um, we'll invite you to the meetings. Uh, we'll get it all figured out. So It's not going to be NFT either like the FCF's trying to pull. It'll be like a real legitimate stake. So just give us $4 billion. That's all we're asking for. I think that's reasonable. So it's a nice nest egg. You're right. Exactly. We can work with that, you know? <laughs> but that's all I wanted to talk about with the NFL. Unless you got something else. Let's go ahead and jump in the non-NFL pro news. No FCF talk this week, though, right? No, no FCF talk. They had a they had a show on Twitch earlier today. They're getting closer to finalizing who is going to be in the league this year, players-wise. And that stuff is coming around the corner. And, but the big news today has all been the USFL. And it's worth bringing up that spring football fans were we're feeling nervous. We're a little scorned on how recent, you know, 100 yard spring football has gone. Whereas the AAF, the XFL, whatever. And so to start with this story of where the USFL playoffs and championship are going to take place, bear with me here because it's. It's tough, right? AF was supposed to be in Vegas, and then it moved to the Dallas practice facility. I don't even remember where the XFLs was going to be, because once COVID took over the world, everything else just kind of became secondary. Right. I don't but even know USF- if they even announced one. It was just like, we'll wait and yeah. see if it happens. And yeah. It didn't happen. And uh, the USFL, though, they, you know, of course, they're going to be playing all their games in Birmingham, all their regular season games. But their playoffs and championship game will take place in Canton, Ohio, at the Hall of Fame field. That is going to be awesome. It's going to be an amazing backdrop, an amazing scene for the USFL. I can't think of a better place to spend the 4th of July than in Canton, Ohio, watching the USFL championship. Go to patreon.com backslash football. We want to make it happen. (laughs) No, absolutely. If we can go to Canton to see that. I will be there. I will be talking to as many players as they allow me to talk to. Every bit of it. <laughs> oh man! But that—that that was area, actually so that'd be that'd be perfect, <laughs> right? That was actually yesterday's news. It might have even been Tuesday's news, like late, 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 late Tuesday, because we recorded on Tuesday. Today's news is something completely different. We got actual uniforms and. Let's see. Can I take both of us off of here and still have our audio? Oh, we can do this. So rather than going through each one individually, I figure I'd just throw them all up here. If you want to go check out the USFL's Twitter, they've got 
you can go to each individual team. They've got breakdowns a little bit closer up of the uniforms. You can see the helmets a little bit better. And they also have backgrounds for your phone. So if you've picked your USFL team, you can go to your team's Twitter, find a background. It's going to feature a player sporting these new threads here. These are the home uniforms. Obviously, we've had these up here for a little bit. Let's see. Here's the away uniforms. Of course, everybody going with the white. I would have liked to have seen somebody do something different, maybe bust out some gray uh, as their primary color for their away uniform. Not something we really see in football a ton, but also not something that's never been done. So, you know, maybe missing, maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity here, right? Maybe, maybe just a little bit. I don't have know. You, I kind of respect keeping it classic. I, I do too. And a little bit traditional as much as you can. And as much as I wanted something flashy, something with a little bit of flair, uh, you know, I, I love what the FCF does with their uniforms. As much as I wanted that, these are very traditional. And right. almost, I, I, I kind of want to say almost painfully so. But very much in the in the name and tradition of the USFL, even though it's been you know forty years since it last existed, practically, the fact that they're able to keep everything pretty much as is, maybe you know just modernized it a little bit by the materials almost. So right, I I love everything about this for the most part. I'd like a little bit more flair. The Breakers logo is kind of lame. Uh, we've known that for a little bit, but the uniforms, not bad. Not bad. There, there's other ways you can incorporate a wave. Just go check out Tulane, right? But Right. I don't, What's that red, white, and blue in the middle there? Is that the uh, Generals, I'm guessing? This red and orange one? No, in the away uniforms. The red, white, and blue in the very middle. The suit? Yep. That's red and orange, my guy. That is the that Pittsburgh is orange. orange. Yeah. Wow, that looked red from it's very small. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> our, when we're looking at it on our screens, it is very small. Okay. Well, we're looking at there, but I was going to say that looks like a really old school Giants uniform, but not anymore. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 That's what. Uh, that was my first thought actually when I saw the Maulers uniform. Let me see. This one might actually be worth doing a, a better close up of it here. It, when I saw the Mullers uniform, that was my immediate thought. The two tone here uh, is man that that looks like a straight that looks like a straight Giants uniform. Like what is going on here? So yeah, it's uh. Let me see. I gotta figure out how to do this. I mean, regardless, looks pretty solid. I respect it, and I understand what you're saying trying to spice things up. That's not really what the USFL is trying to do at all with any of this, right? It's it's a very traditional kind of league. Feels like what they're going for. Very traditional kind of football, the way they play the game. It's very different from the FCF in that regard. So, you want something that's going to reflect that. Maybe you get something a lot more traditional. Very traditional logos, type font for the numbers, everything. I, I understand it. And this, for the record, is also what the backgrounds that they're putting out look like. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely enough to get your blood going. But maybe not so much that you're running to go buy 
a USFL jersey, which you can do. The store is open. It's up. They've got jerseys, all, you know, all kinds of other merch. Go check it out. It's definitely worth it. The other big news from the USFL today, they had their draft lottery. In the middle of unveiling all their uniforms, they had their draft lottery. Uh, everything that I've seen them put out since it was announced who, you know, what the draft order here was going to be. Everything I've seen put out since is that it is the first round draft order. So I don't know if they're going to do a snake, if they're going to, you know, redraw or maybe, you know, maybe with uh, the Panthers being the first team, maybe in the second round, the Panthers will be last and the Bandits will be first. Who knows? Like what? I, who knows what it's going to be like? Here's a look at your draft order: Michigan Panthers, Tampa Bay Bandits, Philadelphia Stars, New Jersey Generals, Houston Gamblers, Birmingham Stallions, Pittsburgh Maulers, and the New Orleans Breakers. You got to imagine they're going to do some type of conveyor belt to change who's picking first each round, because just doing a snake doesn't make sense. These teams haven't done anything yet, right? Right. Right. Maybe they do a lottery for each round. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't know. Ooh, that would, <laughs> that sounds like an FCF thing to do. It like, does. Let's see. Let's it be does. Real. <laughs> I don't man. know, man. I, so I, what is this draft? Do we know that yet? Dude, like there've been a lot of fans saying, you know, the, the USFL, they're not going to get excited until it plays. And I get it. It's just little nuggets are thrown out every now and then. And this is this is huge news. We have uniforms. We have a draft order. I cannot see anything right. on here about when the draft is. That's concerning. We don't have any, any list of talent pool of who is going to be in the draft for the USFL. Right. Like, none of it. I just it, – it doesn't make sense to me. I understand why people are concerned. Excuse me. I would be concerned as well. Even on Fox, like I'm on Fox Sports right now. There's no, it, it talks about the draft and, you know, Jeff Fisher's team, they're going to have the first pick. It does not say a date for the draft on here anywhere. Well, I, I don't know how reliable this is. Source that I have says it's next, next week, which is... <laughs> I don't even believe that because I don't see that anywhere official. <laughs> it, it would make sense that it would be next week. If they're starting mid-April, they got a draft and they got to start training camp and practices right. Right. here soon because February is almost over. March is right around the corner. You got to get these guys on their you need team. at least a month of working together before any decent product is out there. And I'll throw this out here too. You know, I, I imagine there'll be at least one preseason game, but that first game of the season, the first, you know, everybody's first game of the league year of the regular season, it's going to be ugly. Just like every other spring league that we've seen, even the FCF last year, I kind of dragged the FCF at the beginning. I said, man, if this doesn't improve, the novelty is going to wear off real quick. And then it was electric after that. It, absolutely electric. I ate my words. And I, I mean, I'm even sporting. My Wild Aces champion jersey, right? Or not jersey, shirt right now. Like, that is how much the FCF changed my mind. The USFL still has a long way to go to be able to do that, I think. And that's 
it's concerning when you start really looking at the timeline here. I agree. I agree. We'll see what they're able to pull together here. Not much else they can do, right? They have to hold the draft and everything after the NFL stops in order to get any visibility on themselves. So I understand it. Well, what a what a fucking massive day for him today, man. Like that's that's right. beautiful. Very true. So a little bit of college news moving on here. I'll try to keep this relatively brief because we don't know too much about uh, this whole situation. And we talked about last episode. Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss are looking at leaving Conference USA this June, going ahead and joining the Sun Belt early. That is breaking the bylaws of Conference USA, so Conference USA is going to sue them. Nice. Right. Very nice. Now, the main argument main argument really is we've already integrated your, your schools, your teams, and your conference schedules for all fall sports. It's in the bylaws that you would leave. You know, you, you have to give us 14 months notice. You told us in October that would get you leaving in December. So that's the entire football season that we're supposed to still have you guys. That really messes with everything that we've been trying to set up here. We might not even be able to get TV rights. We might have to back out of our conference championship. Now, venue, all these sorts of issues would come up if we do lose teams right now. I kind of get it. At the same time, this is probably just going to be resolved with some kind of a fee. That's the way that really works. We'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all those all those schools are going to uh, either the Sun Belt or the American. The American just dropped their schedule today. Like they're they're set. So if any of these, I'm sure the Sun Belt's just right behind them too. Anybody that leaves is going to be SOL. Like they're not going to get anything out of this. They're going to be an independent for a year. Congratulations. Well, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss are going to the Sun Belt. All three of them. The six teams going to the American are already saying they're going to leave next year. So that makes sense to me. But the team's trying to leave for the Sun Belt. Yeah, the Sun Belt has a conference schedule already too. I mean, what are you gonna what are you really gonna accomplish here? Whatever happens, I'm sure money will be involved. It's it's <laughs> gonna be disgusting. I know that. Yeah. I know that. Very uh, one bit of player news, Jaden Daniels is leaving Arizona State. He has entered the transfer portal. Definitely the best offensive player on that team. Probably the best player overall on that team. Jaden Daniels was very fun to watch. He will have plenty of Power 5 offers. Most most schools will offer him something, I'm sure. Be very intrigued to see where he actually ends up. Definitely the best quarterback in the portal right now. And interesting that he's leaving so late in the process. This has been after the... Ro- revelations of all the investigation have come out. Herm Edwards is staying. They really lost coaches on the defensive side of the ball. Not sure what happened to make him want to leave, but he's in the portal, and he may very well still end up in the Pac-12. I mean, there's going to be schools that offer him for sure. Yeah, I. it's interesting that he's leaving this late. That's really the, the kicker here. Why... 
why wait that long? The flip side is maybe he was trying to see who was who else was going, what schools were signing kids out of high school. I don't know. There's there might be some logic there. I'm just I'm not going to struggle to try and see it. Well, another thing to consider is that to participate in practices, you need to be enrolled in classes. For NCAA rules, if your school you're going to is on a semester schedule, the semester's already started and it's too late to add classes. So you're going to be unable to practice this spring unless you go to a school that doesn't follow the semester schedule. Well, I mean, even uh, you went to, you graduated from Louisville, right? Right. Yeah, so I don't. I don't know how much you ever looked into it, but even Memphis had half semester classes that counted for a full credit for that semester or however, you know, however many credits. So they did, but I'm just saying that it, his schedule isn't going to line up very neatly. I mean, no, spring, not at all. spring practice has basically already started at most mm-hmm. schools and he's not going to be able to participate for at least the first couple of weeks at this oh, point. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a head scratcher. There's nothing nothing really else to say there. But he's gone. Hate to see him go. Love to see him play somewhere else. He's really fun to watch. So <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> and like I said, he is the best quarterback in the portal right now. The second best one would probably be JT Daniels. He left Georgia after Stetson Bennett solidified his role as starter for next season for sure. We'll see. We'll see what happens. A couple bits of, well, really one coaching bit of information and then some athletic director stuff. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is back. That whole saga was really weird. I had no idea what was going on that entire time. Yeah, he interviewed with the Vikings. Apparently the Vikings said no, and so he's back. (laughs) And he signed an extension to stay at Team Up North now. Wow. He took a huge pay cut to stay last season because he was not doing a very good job. And then he took them to the college football playoff. So he got a raise this year and will now be paid $7 million a year to suck again because they're going to. That's exciting. At least that's what you hope, right? Oh, it's going to happen. Might not happen next year, but it will happen eventually. I'll give you that. It'll, it'll happen right now. They're going to suck immediately. So what about this uh, <laughs> new athletic director at Toledo, another <laughs> another school in Ohio? Another school in Ohio? What are you, what are you trying to pull there with Jim Harbaugh news? Just, just trying to move it along. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Toledo has a new athletic director. Um, <laughs> the guy they hired, Brian Blair, a former assistant athletic director out of Washington State. Has a law degree from South Carolina. So pretty wild moving all over the place. Relatively young guy. It kind of uh, kind of looking for a long-term replacement. That's what Toledo tries to do. The last guy that I hired was there for 20 years and is retiring now, Mike O'Brien. So I'm sure Toledo's hoping for something similar here. It's not usually considered a destination job at the same time. If you stay in your lane and hire your right kind of guy, the candidate you're looking for, uh, it can really work wonders for you. Toledo has had some great teams over the years. 
for a Mac school, right? I'm not trying to compare them to any of the top dogs, but as far as what Mac schools are capable of, Toledo's certainly in the mix as one of the good ones. And we'll see if Brian, Brian Blair can keep that up. Why not, man? Why not? You know, they they were sneaky good all year for the past couple of years. And right. they've definitely made a name for themselves outside of just being, you know, the team that beats up on the Akron Zips every year. Everybody beats up on the Akron Zips every year. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> That's all I got for news. What do you say we move into this uh, this next segment here? Kind of a, a special, as we go forward in the offseason, you're going to see a lot of one-off segments uh, or maybe a series of a certain segment that we stretch out just so we have something to talk about for more than just one show. We are going to be talking about head coaching grades with uh, our patented system. You want to tell everybody how that one works? Yeah, so this has been our rating system. Since last offseason, we haven't had to use it much during the season, but we will bring it back for this because we have the BBT patent pending grading system of yay, nay, or meh. It's great. It's a great time. So if you, if you can't see the chat, pull it up, and you are more than welcome to give us your grades for all of these head coaches now that it is official. Uh, yeah. mostly it's mostly official. We're not going to say it's a hundred percent official. Looking at you, uh, Mike, uh, not Mike McDaniel, Josh McDaniels. <laughs> I'm going to fuck that up so me. much all fucking year. I, oh my God. So we had nine head coaching hires this off season. We were going to give our grades for all of them. Maybe a brief explanation. We'll keep us moving as quickly as possible. And then we're going to get into some awards for some teams here. Uh, worst hire. That's definitely an award. Uh, a Razzie, maybe. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to give a bronze medal, a silver medal, and a gold medal hire. It is still the Winter Olympics. I'd give a shout out where it's due. Um, so Tug has given us notes. And he's given us grades for all these coaches. But he's not here to explain it. And I don't want to put words in his mouth at any time. So we're going to save what Tug's written for the awards, and we're just going to give our grades. Does that sound fair? I mean, he did give us some notes, he, but he it, gave us notes, time. but yeah, reading it verbatim on the notes is going to get, get old right. and tired. Uh, so we'll just, right. we'll leave his, his notes specifically for the awards later. Cause we definitely get to make fun of him later too. <laughs> so let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars who fired their coach before anybody else and hired their coach. You know, after everybody else, that's fine. <laughs> they Tuck got Peterson, Doug Peterson. Yeah. What did you think? Eh, meh. Yeah. I, I really can't. I can't feel one way or another strongly about this. The Jaguars are a worse team than the Eagles when he took them over. I think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback, or has the potential to be a better quarterback than Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, for that matter. And if he can get help from Shad Khan, build a good team there, he should be able to get this team back to the playoffs, potentially into the AFC Championship game. And you, once you get there, who knows what's going to happen, right? Right. 
I just I'm concerned if he's going to be able to find somebody to actually develop Trevor Lawrence because Nick Foles winning that Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean they got the statue of Peterson and Foles outside the field, outside the link, right? I think all of that was Nick Foles, though. I don't know how much Peterson helped develop him. I don't know how much he helped develop Carson Wentz. That's right. really the big question here. And if he can find somebody, if he doesn't think he can do it, if he can find somebody that can develop Trevor Lawrence, it'll probably move to a yay score for me, honestly. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to give it a nay for right now because this was – and we talked about it at the time. This felt like a very uninspired hire. So almost like a desperation move of sorts. Let's get somebody with some experience because the last guy we hired with no experience really let us down in a big way. So if this guy has a ring, whether that was really his or not, it's hard to tell. He was the head head coach, but at the same time, it felt like Frank Reich really owned that squad, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, you had a couple of defensive guys stay healthy for the first time in their career, and they were in the prime of their career. So maybe that one's more on the GM and on the offensive coordinator than it was on Doug Peterson. <laughs> maybe that's a bit harsh. I don't know. We'll see what he's able to do in Jacksonville now. I don't, I don't trust him without a really good GM at this point. And yeah. Trent Valky is probably not a really good GM. Maybe he is. Maybe he wasn't given room to breathe. But probably not. And unless he has a good GM, I don't see a path to success for him. Doug Peterson. I don't either, man. Uh, that's why I'm saying it's a man. I, I think he, he has the opportunity. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to be able to be executed going forward. Tug agrees with me. He gave him a met as well. Don't want to, again, don't want to put words in his mouth or just read verbatim his explanation here. It's just one sentence anyway. So, what do you say we move on to the Denver Broncos? Yeah, who'd they hire? Uh, <laughs> Nathaniel nice, Hackett. Nice young yeah. guy. Former like offensive do. coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Feels like GMs and owners are trying to hire as young <laughs> as possible anymore. So the fact that this guy's 42 years old, it feels like they're struggling to find anybody young enough. <laughs> I'm just saying this is a yay all day for me because it hurts Green Bay. So I'm all for it. I, I will legitimately say, though, too, the Broncos had Vic Fangio. They had a defensive-minded guy in there. I always love when you go with a flip there, you flip over to an offensive-minded head coach. It's a good reset way to, you know, shift things around, get things going, maybe back in your favor. Uh, so maybe this will be exactly what they need because, man, that offense is uh, – they got to figure something out. That's true. That's fair. I'm going to give them a meh for this one, though, mostly because I don't know how much of – Green Bay success was on him. Every time we saw Aaron Rodgers talk That's about fair. it, he mentioned Matt LaFleur. So if Matt LaFleur is running the show for that offense, yeah, that could rub off on Hackett, but we don't know how much that really, you know, really happened quite yet. 
I mean, yes, it's fair to say he was the offensive coordinator for back-to-back MVPs at the same time. Did he even call plays? I mean, how much decision-making did this guy really have? We don't know yeah. that. And so he he was in a very comfortable situation, and now he's going to be in one of the most uncomfortable situations in the league, being a head coach without a quarterback. How's that going to work out? It This felt like a better position for Doug Peterson to me than the Jaguars did. We'll see what happens, though. Maybe he is a great coach. He's going to prove me wrong. Right now, it's a meh to me. There is potential here. And it's it's a meh for Tug as well. So, I don't know. I Again, a lot of bias in most of my yay there. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, maybe there's some bias in this one, too. We got the Chicago Bears hiring the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Eberflus. Very fun name to say. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm obviously going yay on this one. Uh, A big part of this, though, is going from Lovey Smith to then Tressman, John Fox, Matt Nagy, all these guys that were supposed to be the offensive guy, right? Tressman was supposed to be the quarterback whisperer and help fix Jay Cutler, and they hired him as their head coach. And then John Fox, well, you know, Cutler did really well with him out in uh, Denver. So we're going to bring him in to, to capture some of that lightning in a bottle for us. And it didn't right. work. And Matt Nagy is supposed to be his offensive guru. And he won coach of the year, to his credit. Got the team looked great. They won the division. Got him into a wild card game last year somehow magically because the Cardinals fucked it up. I am excited to see them going back to a defensive coach very much the same way that I'm giving Denver a yay going to an offensive coach. Maybe it's what they need for the Bears going back to a defensive coach. The biggest thing is he's not going to be the guy getting in the way of Justin Fields, of the way of this offense. And ultimately, yeah, if the offense struggles, it's going to come back on him being the head coach. But he's going to be a little more insulated from it because he's gone and hired other guys with Ryan Poles. He's gonna hire other guys to take care of that offense. So yeah, the buck stops with the head coach, but getting a guy in there that's not gonna get in his own way of what is the most important draft pick of the Bears for the past I'd say my lifetime. You know, Kay McDowell was Mitch Trubisky one and Mitch Trubisky himself was Mr. Trubisky two point like, you know Justin Fields, I don't think, ends up that way. And getting a defensive guy in there is going to assure that at least it won't be the head coach. That's the problem. I agree. Yay. <laughs> you said a lot there. I don't have much to add to that. Um, I do like the Bears getting back to a defensive focus. It feels like when the Bears are the most successful every point in the history of the Chicago Bears, when they have their best years, that's a very defensive, heavy philosophy mindset. Let's get back to it, and let's develop a quarterback with that in mind, even. Let's get get some defense rolling in Chicago. Yeah, and I mean, for both the Broncos and the Bears, I've talked about why a little bit more in-depth previously why these coaching hires make sense, because the defenses seem to be going in opposite directions as far as age. This really does, in my opinion, play into it a lot as well. I don't want to rehash all of that right here anyway 
So we'll just suffice to say that Tug also said a yay, and we'll move on to his team, the Miami Dolphins, who hired Mike McDaniel. Yeah, Mike McDaniel, McDaniel being singular for this guy. That's fun, because Josh McDaniels is plural. Uh, yeah, that's going to be great. I can't wait to see every TV announcer ever mess that up all the time. And for us to and, do the same thing. Yes. Right. <laughs> Uh, definitely led a more productive than it should have been kind of offense in San Francisco this year with all the running back injuries, the very aging offensive line, even as good as they were, they were old and could get hurt at times. So to be as good as they were was pretty incredible. And I like, I like this hire. I'm going to give it a yay. It's, you know, middle-of-the-road enthusiasm on that yay, I would say, but at the same time, I understand it. I like it. I'll give it a yay as well for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, right? The We've talked about it a lot of times, pissing Tug off. They don't have a run game because they don't have a solid back. Right. 49ers didn't either. They figured it out. And I, I would put the Dolphins line over the 49ers line. The only question mark that's still going to be there is what's he going to do to help Tua? Right, you've got to figure. Assuming Alex Mack retires, which he probably will. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you got to assume that wanting to build around Tua is part of the reason that he was brought in. Because as much as there is dissension potentially among fans and fans being out potentially even on Tua, uh, I'm not. I know Tug isn't either. So. To get a guy that wants to build a team with the pieces that are there, he thinks that he can make them work. I gotta agree with him. I think that team absolutely can work. We saw it. You know, we saw that historic turnaround, and then you know, still fall short. Tug obviously gave this one a yay too, and right. he's in love with the guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's hard to blame him too much. I guess gotta get excited for something. <laughs> hope's a hope's a terrible thing. Uh, next up, I don't know why I have them in this order. It just kind of felt like it. Minnesota Vikings up next, Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> uh, the Like we said up top, the very non-secretive secret of the past couple of weeks here. I'm going to give this one a meh. I don't know too much. Kind of like this Nathaniel Hackett situation. I don't know how much of this was really Kevin O'Connell's offense. How much of this was Sean McVay. And again, you're going into a situation that's a really highest stress possible situation for a head coach. You are unsure of your quarterback situation. You probably have cousins for next year because of cap limitations with getting rid of him. Beyond that, you have no idea and you're not going to pay cousins that kind of money again. Right? So even if you are able to keep him, he's going to be less happy. What are you going to do? So to get a first time head coach in that kind of a situation does concern me to an extent. However, I understand he's coming from one of the most promising coaching trees we've seen and has a lot of that kind of, you know, creativity himself. We'll see how that works out. I have hope, but it's still a meh. Just because the situation's not really that great. I'm going to give it a yay because I like that they were able to snag the offensive coordinator from the Super Bowl champions. Like, you, you can't hate on that. And, yeah, I get it. It's probably more McVay's offense than it is O'Connell's offense. But, the I mean, these guys aren't stupid. 
you know, as Matt Nagy famously said, I'm not an idiot. He's he's got to be gleaning something, right? I mean, that run game did not work, but they still found ways to get Henderson, even Akers, to a smaller degree in, involved in the pass game and made it effective for them. Right, and it was part of why they were able to come back and win that game. I, I, it's a yay for me. A meh from Tug. His little note here is a lot of the same reasons that you got. So, I it's it's interesting, very interesting. We'll just, we'll just have to see how this works out for Minnesota. Next up on our list, we have the Las Vegas Raiders hiring Josh McDaniels. Hate it. <laughs> McDowell's. We got the Golden Arts. Yeah, unrelated. We're not. This is not coming from here um i'm gonna give this one a nay just because i don't trust him with much of anything yeah I, i'm going i'm not gonna go that far i'm gonna go meh because we gotta wait and actually see if he's actually going to coach a game i <laughs> but i don't want to give it a nay because i i think he's got potential if he does actually stick around i don't know i would also love for him to fail miserably and the raiders <laughs> regret letting the go that's a different story. That's just your love affair with Passation. But I, I do have a love affair with Passation. That's 100%. But I kind of understand it. So, is what it is. Next up, we have the New York football Giants. Before before we get there, for what it's worth, Tug gave it an A as well. And I will actually point this one out. He's done nothing to prove that he is anything without Bill Belichick being over him. Which, I mean, fair. Yeah, yeah. Which is most of the time the case for any Belichick assistant. They go out and get their own head coaching job, and it's rough. So Flores beat the shit out of him three or four times. So I mean, you know. I mean, he still got fired. Sucks to suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New York Giants uh, got Brian Dable, kind of the bell of the ball this coaching cycle. Felt like everybody was interviewing him first as much as they could. And he ends up going to the New York Giants with a new GM who says he wants to build around Daniel Jones. Now, if anybody can transform a quarterback, we know it to be Brian Dable. What he did with Josh Allen was nothing short of incredible. At the same time, you know, that's it's still a rough roster. We'll have to see what he's able to do. This is a yay. This is probably the grand slam for the Giants. Yeah. I don't know how they could have done any better than this, honestly. This is a unanimous yay from all three of us. The Even only if this other doesn't work out, they weren't wrong for giving it a shot. Yeah. The only other guy that potentially would have gotten a unanimous yay from us is uh Eric Bianami. Eric Bianami. There we go. I yeah. I had it and completely blanked. I, saw I know it, we gave I saw it slip in your mind and I was let it sit there for a second in awkward <laughs> silence. I was like I know something you don't. <laughs> I I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And yeah, we gave we gave unanimous yays to McDaniel and uh, Eberflus, but I think this one is definitely the most enthusiastic for everybody. Yeah, I it's it's exciting to see, and I would honestly even be happy if he was able to transform Daniel Jones. He's shown the flashes. He's got speed. He's I don't know if he can make some of the throws though. I think that's going to be more the issue, and that's that is we'll tough see. to fix. We'll see. It certainly felt like even at the time he got drafted because of his connection to David Cutcliffe, 
and that only mattered because of David Cutcliffe's connection to Eli Manning, and yeah. that only mattered because of Eli Manning's connection to Peyton Manning. Well, Eli Manning's got two rings too. So, you know. <laughs> I know, but it was a wild draft that ended up with Daniel Jones in New York. And now they have Brian Dable too. We'll see. See how that goes. Next up is the Houston Texans, our penultimate head coaching hire here, Lovey Smith. Um, I'm going to give this one a yay simply because I never understood why he was fired from the places he was ever fired from. And to me, he should still be the head coach of the Chicago Bears if he wanted to be. I mean, my goodness, the man is very intelligent and has proven it time and again that he can really transform a roster, can make something out of nothing, got the Bears to a Super Bowl appearance, got Illinois to a bowl game appearance. I mean, when's the last time that happened? This so. is this is an absolute yay for me, not only because of the Super Bowl appearance, not only because of what he did at Illinois, but go look at what he did to the Houston Texans defense this year. Right. Right. And he's retaining his position as defensive coordinator, which Ooh. I don't remember uh, all the position if he was dual hatting when he was in Chicago, but his hands were all over that defense. It's a it's a huge yay from me. It's a meh from Tug. I kind of get it, but at the same time, this is a it's a safe hire. It is absolutely a safe hire, and I I would understand giving a meh to it for being a safe hire. There's been a lot that's come out that said well, he was part hired. Of Tug's point here, I know we weren't going to read it all of his notes, but he did say this: Bobby Smith wasn't their first choice. So yeah. we'll see how the front office and he get along, and that's definitely fair. At the same time, Lovey Smith's like a great dude. Why would you not get along with him? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're a man named Lovey, you got to be a very patient person. And have a fantastic, beautiful beard. Oh, just want to rub it. <laughs> Last but not least, the New Orleans Saints. Promoting from within for Dennis Allen. Nah, I'm not. Nay. Nope. Don't. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing good about this. This screams of a fall guy for what is about to come of this team. And they are going to completely want to wipe the slate clean when they have to find a whole new team, basically, because they're so cap strapped. Yeah, I don't I don't like this. To me, this is less of a scapegoat situation and more of a let's get a guy that we have worked with long enough that we trust and knows the actual vision for this thing. Let's get a guy who can ride this out. Let's get a guy who is comfortable enough in New Orleans that he will stay with us even through this. That's kind of where my head's at with it. It's going to be a rough couple of years with New Orleans Saints. I'm not saying that's why Sean Payton left, but I'm (laughs) Also saying I wouldn't blame him if it was why he left. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be brutal. But Dennis Allen is probably about the best guy you could get to lead you through that simply because he knows these guys already. He has relationships with the front office already. That's going to help him so much through the first probably two years of terrible football. And... That's nothing against him as a coach. He will do the best he can. And they're probably going to still win some games. Probably still going to be in contention for some things. I mean, the talent on that roster, even after they cut half the team, half the team is going to be great. I mean, it's yeah. a, it is a good roster. 
So we'll see how successful he is. At the same time, this was a almost a mandatory move to get them into a more manageable position for the next guy. To me, this is almost more of a... I don't like relating everything to Ohio State, but it's something that really applies here. When Jim Trestle was removed, Luke Fickle stepped up to be the head coach in the interim while everything was sorted out. Okay, we went six and seven that year. Nobody blames Luke Fickle for that. Everyone loves the guy still and said, you were making the best of a bad situation. All right, so step up, defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, same kind of situation. Sean Payton leaves unexpectedly. Dennis Allen comes in, defensive coordinator, almost like an interim kind of a role here because you're going to eventually want to find a guy who can build a roster. But right now you need a guy that the roster is going to work for. And maybe we'll see Dennis Allen even slide back into a defensive coordinator role with the Saints in a couple of years. That's very possible here, too. I'm going to give this one a meh just because it's it's not inspiring. At the same time, it would have been worse to me to blow it up and go outside for a scapegoat here. Tug also went meh, but this will lead us straight into our worst hire because I think Dennis Allen is the worst hire. I I kind of said my piece. You are on the exact opposite side of the fence for me as this. But at the same time, it's like you uh, – and it's it's not even – I wouldn't even say that my, you know, calling this the worst hire is necessarily an indictment on Dennis Allen or his talents. It's more on the Saints because you put yourself in this position where you've got – where you basically ran Sean Payton who, you know, we've said potentially maybe a Hall of Fame guy. I know he's a lot, he's in that conversation for some reason. You know, different discussion. You kind of run him out with how you've managed your team, and you're left with a guy that is it's just a very uninspiring hire. And it's – I don't know. This is this is my worst. I, I can't can't put it any other way. Yeah, I can't agree with you on that. I do have him ranked fairly low, but I don't have him as the worst. The worst to me is Josh McDaniels, just because we've seen him flake and we've seen him fail. Both of those things are not good things to be hiring. And I know he's had a little bit of a Bill Belichick school of rehabilitation in the meantime, but when's the last time that actually worked for somebody? Brian Flores is the closest thing that I know to a real success out of that tree. People may say Mike Rabel, but he never really coached for Belichick except for one season. He played for Belichick. Maybe that counts, but it wasn't the same kind of relationship. To be one of Belichick's coordinators has not (laughs) translated to head coaching success. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But I don't have much faith in the Las Vegas organization right now. And actually, I agree with you. Part of this is that they let go of Basatia, who really seems like the right kind of guy. And they got the exact opposite kind of guy here. And I don't like the move at all. I don't either. I don't either. Tug also put Josh McDaniels at the as the worst here. And again, it's it's all that 
Bill Belichick coaching tree. This guy hasn't done anything, and worst of all, he's flaked. Right. Moving on to our bronze medal hire. I've got Lovey Smith. Everybody knows why I like Lovey Smith so much. I kind of talk, spoke my piece on what he did with that defense in Houston. Yeah, I love the hire. I've got Mike McDaniel as my bronze medal hire here. He's unproven, right? We don't know much about him other than he had a good little run here. He's been in the league for quite a while, even on that 2013 Washington staff, right? Uh, right. Now has four head coaches in the league. Right. He's number so, four. Right. Absolutely wild. But I like what he has said about the Dolphins already. Building around Tua, like you were talking about, that is a big deal. Seems like a good organizational fit. I think they can move forward with this guy. Tug has Matt Eberflus in his bronze medal hire, which kind of leads us great into our silver silver medal hires. I've got Eberflus there. And the, the big reason here is he's already said he's I'm getting offensive-minded guys that are going to go develop Justin Fields, make this offense better. He knows what he's good at. He knows what he can do. And he knows what he's not good at. And he knows what he's not going to do. So the fact that he's, you know, we're going back to a defensive-minded coach in Chicago. They're going and getting guys that are going to benefit the team the most in the areas that he is not as proficient in. And even his defensive coordinator hire, right? He's going out. He's, he wants to be a head coach. He does not want to be the head coach defensive coordinator calling the defensive plays, right? He wants to be the head coach, and that is – far more valuable than really anything else you can say about him. Yeah, my silver medal almost went to Eberflus, but instead I went with Lovey Smith. It was blame you. A, basically a toss-up for me between those two guys. I went with Lovey because he does have head coaching experience already and really good head coaching experience at that. I, I very much appreciate the Lovey Smith hire. For a lot of the same reasons that we've already been talking about. <laughs> no right. reason to keep rehashing it. Uh, Tug went with Brian Dable, which should give you an idea of who he put in his gold medal hire because right. you and I both, both put Dable here. It's very obvious why we put Dable here, right? I mean, we've already yeah. – the the big thing obviously being the Daniel Jones situation. I mean, there's, there's nothing else to say about it, right? Right. Right. That has to be the focus of the Giants. If they want to move forward with Daniel Jones or not, they need somebody there who can actually develop a quarterback. Because they haven't for a long time, it feels like. I mean, when's the last quarterback that you actually developed in-house? It feels like Eli Manning was the same guy he was at Ole Miss of his entire career with the Giants. Yeah. So... <laughs> It is. It definitely felt like he reverted back to it on the back end of his career, too, right? Well, at least, at least, right. So it makes perfect sense to me to get Brian Dable in there. I absolutely love it. Gold medal for sure. But that leaves us with Tugs' gold medal pick, Mike McDaniel. <laughs> oh man, he's not here to defend it, so I'm not going to clown him too hard. He tried he to even... say that was not a homer pick. He definitely he... was. Quote, I swear to God, this isn't just a homer pick. He had a bunch of other notes here. I'm not going to – he deleted them, I think, because we, we straight up said we're just not going to read it. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, man. 
I understand liking your head coaching hire. I do not understand ranking him ahead of Brian Dable, who you would have preferred anyway. And that's that's exactly why. Like, I love the Eberflus hire. Like, don't get me wrong. There's right. definitely some bias in there. Because I also legitimately love the Nathaniel Hackett hire and the Kevin O'Connell. Those guys I could have probably ranked as well. But I'm not going to not rank my team. Like, come on. Eberflus is not the gold medal hire of this coaching cycle. It is very clearly Brian Dable. It's to us anyway. <laughs> it's up for debate, for sure. <laughs> but that does it for our head coaching hire grades. Very productive segment there. I love talking about all the hires. Nine different head coaches going into next season. Nine different head coaches. That is wild to me. Feels like more than we've had the past couple of years. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just a little bit forgetful. Uh, but turning over almost a third of the league feels like a lot. So, exciting stuff. <laughs> it's a good time. But with that, I guess it's time for the greatest segment in podcasting history. But the greatest, you say? The absolute greatest. Well, what do you say we get on into it, then? Bracket time, baby. Whoa. It is bracket time. Whoa. I know you love hearing yourself sing right here. It is bracket with your votes on our Twitter polls. Let's see how today's bracket unfolds. What else could we do? We're so inspired by you. <laughs> you know, update the song. We didn't have Facebook or Instagram polls when I wrote and recorded such a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but we have eight different matchups that you guys helped us decide on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter polls. Very much appreciate all the outpouring of votes for these guys. And we're going to get right down to business here. If you don't know, we are currently in the process of counting down the greatest MVP in NFL history. Every year since 1957, when they first awarded the AP MVP award, all the way through 2021, Aaron Rodgers here, uh, we have all these different MVPs. We whittled it down to a field of 64 last episode, and here we have the first region of eight matchups to talk about. In this verse battle, 2010, Tom Brady versus 1971, Alan Page. Exciting stuff, it's, man. It's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Who won, our, who won our polls? Looks like Tom Brady did. Wild business. I, I got to say, anybody who voted against Tom Brady was probably just a Brady hater because he won unanimously in 2010, right? It's uh, it's tough. It's tough to, to go against him. It is. I understand. Um, I really wish Alan Page would have been able to put up more of a fight here. I actually would vote for Alan Page, but I understand it was on Tom Brady. I would vote for Alan Page, too, 
you know, I think the I think what won it for him was the two safeties. Obviously, he won the defensive player of the year and uh, you know, ended up winning the MVP here, but <clears throat> man, it's it's tough. He had three fumble recoveries returned for a total of 8 yards. The two safeties there. That's huge and you know, we'll we'll take your one vote for Allen Page. I think that's entirely fair. But it is tough when you only get twenty seven percent of the vote right in your MVP year and you're going up against a guy that was unanimous. It's it's not a good matchup for Allen Page, it's unfortunate. Uh, but it is absolutely the most fair way to uh to do these, I guess. Hey, at so, least Tom Brady's not unanimous in this bracket, right? Yeah, absolutely absolutely. I I wish we could move on Allen Page. It is what it is. Tom Brady's moving on. Um, and, you know, rightfully so. Next matchup here, we do have 1980 Brian Sype up against 1981 Ken Anderson. Battle of the Ohio quarterbacks here. Now, social media, this one was extremely tight. I think it did end up going to Brian Sype, though. In, in a close There we go. Yeah, this was this was extremely close. So, man, it sucks that we don't have Tug here. But I think if we end up agreeing on Ken Anderson, that I I don't think there's any, I don't think there should be any bad blood about us moving on Ken Anderson. I'm more curious why Brian Sipe was the guy that everybody wanted to go with. I guess when you look at the numbers, one more TD but four more interceptions. Then you look at it again. He also threw for four hundred, about four hundred more passing yards. It's if that's the only stat he's really beaten him in, though, right? Anderson, Ken Anderson took his team all the way to the Super Bowl, had a better completion percentage. Man, this is this is tough. This is legitimately tough. I will say that as far as you know, MVP conversation is concerned. Oh man, I it's hard for me to go with Ken Anderson because that team made the Super Bowl, right? It was obviously more than Ken Anderson leading the way. The Cleveland Browns weren't good this time. <laughs> and yet Brian Seif was able to spark some things that really got them going throughout the rest of the decade too. The Browns in the 80s were actually a very solid team, even though they never made it all the way to a Super Bowl. They were always in contention there. That wouldn't have started without Brian Sype really reigniting some things. You know, the Cardiac Kids was that, – that was something unmatched by whatever the Bengals were able to do for one season here. Because they lost a bunch of pieces, they didn't lose Dan Anderson, right? So Brian Sype kind of carried carried through some things. I don't, I'm, I'm having a hard time really articulating it. I think Brian Sype was more important to that organization than Kane Anderson was that year. I think that's fair to say. I think it's fair to say because obviously, you know, you, you don't make it to the Super Bowl on one player alone. You know, Joe Burrow right. maybe made a case for that. I'm going to stick with Kane Anderson. I don't want to give Brian Sype the, the sweep here. But I definitely think I, there's a lot of credence to what you're saying. I'm not gonna, not even gonna pretend that there isn't. I wouldn't want to give Brian Sype a sweep either. So I'm glad, glad Ken Anderson got a vote there. But yeah, Brian Sype is moving on. We'll be facing Tom Brady in the next round. So see how he fares. 
Next up, we have 2009 Peyton Manning up against 2001 Kurt Warner. Um, all of our polls went with Kurt Warner. It was oh, it was pretty big beatdown, actually. I mean, statistically, you look at the numbers. Yes, Kurt Warner was the better quarterback that year. That was the best year of Kurt Warner's career. Wow, what a bad matchup for 2009 Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 yeah, that's brutal. Tough draw there. Um, there's not much else to say. What's I what's I don't want to say ironic. What's weird to me is I don't even think that this was Kurt Warner's best year. You know, not really a lot of looking into I need to do here. You win unanimously on our social medias the way that Kurt Warner did. You're not going to hear not going to hear a ton of uh, a ton of complaints one way or another. Stafford, a Hall of Famer. Bobby, I'll tell you what, man, we will get to that after we get done with bracket time. Uh, I would love to actually have that conversation a little bit. So just stick around with us for a little bit, and we will we will definitely rehash this. I've seen this conversation actually come up a few places in the past couple of days. So hang on to that thought. Stick with us here. Yeah, Kurt Warner. Yep. Yeah. Yep, Kurt Easy. Warner. Easy. <laughs> uh, next <laughs> matchup, we have Tom Brady. Up against Terry Bradshaw, 2017 version of Tom Brady, by the way. Up against Terry Bradshaw's only MVP. For all those Super Bowls, he only won MVP once in 1978. Uh, social media, I believe this one was pretty close as well. Tom Brady did pull this one out on all of our polls. Yeah, it's, uh, again, Terry Bradshaw has a name, right? Uh, Tom Brady actually took this a little little stronger than maybe you're remembering here. Now, you know, it's tough to look at 10, 12 different things at once. Um, <clears throat> Terry Bradshaw's had too many interceptions, man. Like, that's that's really what it comes down to in the end for me. And I do like Terry Bradshaw. I wish I could in good faith vote for Terry Bradshaw. But, you know, I'll, I'll throw out passing yards here because – the 2017 game compared to the 1978 game, that is that is a brutal, unfair comparison when you're talking about passing yards. Well, I will say maybe we can equate 3,000 in 78 to 4,000 in 2017. So Brady right. threw 4,600. That's yeah, still and very Bradshaw impressive. missed 3,000. And, oh, by right. the way, he threw 20 interceptions. Right. Two and a half times the interceptions. Yeah. That's – uh, it's rough. It's brutal. And I hate to see better it. completion percentage. Right. And I hate to see it, but Tom Brady takes out Thomas Brady. The OG TB12 is taken out by I the I hate Cooper. it. You guys, you guys start calling Terry Bradshaw again. That story cannot <laughs> dominate our lives forever, man. You got to let oh, it go. It, it point. No, I, I Please. <laughs> so our next matchup here, 1989, Joe Montana. Up against Marcus Allen, his MVP came in 1985, and social media. I believe this one was a much bigger blowout than I expected, but Joe Montana did pull this one out. What do you think? What? Well, yeah, he Montana destroyed Marcus Allen on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook. Marcus Allen actually won, but it was not enough. He did not get enough votes for it to matter a ton here. Joe Montana, man, like it's that's tough. Like, how do you how do you have somebody that beats him, right? For what it's worth, Tug has gone in here and said 
he accounted for 42% of the Raiders' total offense in yards. That's that's the most valuable player right there. Talking about Marcus Allen specifically. Right. Man. To me, that's really hard to argue. And I would say this was not Joe Montana's best year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 29 touchdowns, 8 interceptions is solid. It is not incredible. That touchdown to turnover ratio favors Marcus Allen here. The yards conversation, 3,500 versus like 2,300 total yards. Probably trying to compare across uh, position groups here, but I would say Marcus Allen probably hit a more impressive yards season. I, I'll, I'll say this. You know, I, I, we actually do have a note from Tug on this one. He doesn't have anything to say on the next two. <clears throat> but this, this is important because Joe Montana did win by such a large margin. This is not the best Joe Montana that won the MVP. Right. Right. He right. had more touchdown passes in 87. He threw for four, over 400 more yards in 1990. Well, he didn't win MVP oh, in 87, but we will see the 1990 Joe Montana later in this very bracket. Not today, but we will see him again. It's, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to compare him to the 1990 version either, though. Right? Like right. It's, it's right. That's not fair. That's not fair. Right now we're comparing 89 Montana to 85 Marcus Allen. And to me, Marcus Allen's more impressive. I think he is, too. Both these teams were wildly successful. I will say one thing very much in Joe Montana's favor. 70% completions. That is yeah. incredible. That was that was a career high for him. And to be able to go on to win the Super Bowl, it is a big deal. And it doesn't happen all the time. It actually doesn't happen very often for MVPs, mm-hmm. as you guys will see throughout this bracket. Mm-hmm. And a career low interceptions there as well when he played a full season, I should add. I'm leaning towards because it was such a big blowout on all of our polls. Yeah. Joe Montana does need to move on. Yeah. It is. I, it is. I really want to fight it, but that's I, all right. I, it falls apart the more and more you look at it, honestly. If I'm being completely honest here, I think you have to go with Joe Montana. I'm looking forward to the Joe Montana, Joe Montana matchup because I feel like it's going to have to end up happening here. I hope not, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) Next up, we have Joe Theismann versus the man who ended his career, Lawrence Taylor. Oh, man. (laughs) What a matchup. And Uh, worth pointing out. All the polls did go with Lawrence Taylor. Very fun note. Worth, uh, worth pointing out that Lawrence Taylor actually won it the year after he ended Joe Theismann's career. It was just absolutely... <laughs> oh, man. I know how you set it up. I know it wasn't on purpose. Right, I know it how, wasn't you know, on purpose. It was not, not on purpose. It's just but, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, too, this one is a no-brainer for me. This is going to LT. As far as I'm concerned, he's still the you know single season sack record holder because he did not get his last one you know as a freebie. I guess you could say T.J. Watt takes it now because breaking Michael Strahan's record is when he got his his freebie, so to speak. 
uh, yeah, LT all day, every day. Joe Theismann, sorry about your leg. You had a, a great career up until that point. Unreal that everyone only remembers him for that one play now. It's it's even it's, though he was fantastic. It's awful, and you know the blind side is a a large part of that. I, sh- I will I will say oh, yeah. so. Oh yeah. Uh, next up, I know how you're voting on this one, and well, I mean, yeah, uh, Walter Payton up against Burt Jones. Uh, I feel really bad for Burt Jones. Nobody knows who he is, and nobody <laughs> still knows who he is. <laughs> this this was almost as big of a blowout as uh, LT versus Joe Theismann. Theismann didn't yeah. get any votes on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Burt Jones at least got one vote on Instagram and Twitter. He still was shut out on Facebook. Absolutely unbelievable here. What a... <laughs> just a, a runaway train for Walter Payton. So I will say, in defense of the voters, right? And in defense of why we don't talk about Burt Jones. I mean, this is around the time that we had Johnny Unitas winning MVP multiple times. We had Earl Morrill leading the Colts to some great seasons as well. At some point, you have to start considering, is it the quarterback or is it the system? Mm-hmm. And Burt Jones kind of exemplifies that to me, where if he weren't on the Baltimore Colts, I don't know that we would remember his name at all at this point, right? That system was elite, and the Baltimore Colts were an elite organization. And, yeah. Burt These Jones are... Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you know this is this is becomes a conversation with Hall of Fame inductees, right? The numbers are always there, right? Right. Well, if you are in the conversation, the numbers are there. Who the fuck is Burt Jones though? <laughs> right. Because I mean, just looking at looking at some of the other guys that we've talked about this episode that we've pushed on one way or another, numbers are absolutely there. You can't can't deny that. Can't right. can't say anything against that. But who is this guy? Right? It sucks. I hate that it is that way. It's not really fair to Burt Jones, but uh, this this is this is the fact of the matter here. It's the way we have the bracket set up. So Walter Payton's moving on, and our next matchup and final matchup of the day: O.J. Simpson up against Jim Brown. The first ever MVP awarded in 1957 to Jim Brown up against O.J. Simpson in '73. <clears throat> when he broke 2,000 yards. And social media recognized both of these guys. This was a tie on all of our polls. Absolutely wild. I totally respect it. At the same time, looking at these stats, it's hard not to go with OJ Simpson. Yeah, so I, I want to alibi a couple things here. We haven't really fully explained. We do total up the amount of votes across all three platforms, and that's how we are deciding our winner. Uh, and this OJ Simpson, Jim Brown poll is going to be up for another day. I apologize for that. For whatever reason, I, I had the image made that you see in our story on Instagram and Facebook. I had that image made and I just decided that Walter Payton and Burt Jones was the last one because I forgot how to count. And I didn't realize it till about an hour, two hours before the show, I got it up there and it didn't matter. Right, uh, they still ended up tying when you factor in the Twitter votes as well. That's impressive, though. Both of it these is. guys fully deserve the recognition that they're getting between all these platforms, and 
Yeah, I I'm curious why they wanted to go with Jim Brown in 1957. That doesn't something doesn't make sense here. To be fair, a fullback running for almost a thousand yards, and you know the same turnovers, seven fumbles isn't good, but you know they had the same numbers there. Running back, you would expect him to get more touches. And he got more touches. But, I mean, I don't know. To some extent, it feels like Jim Brown's getting a a legend vote here. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's look at it, right? You know, he beats Y.A. Tittle and Johnny Unitas. Mm -hmm. The guy we talked about a little bit earlier here. I just, I... You're not convinced he should have won it, you're saying? Even in 57? Uh, that's the thing. In 57, you got Tittle thrown for 2,100 yards. United's thrown for 25. I will say, though, one thing in Jim Brown's defense, and maybe this is a voting convention of the time, the Cleveland Browns were the East Division champions, would have had to beat Y.A. Tittle and Johnny Unitas in the same division. Yeah, that, that does kind of swing things into his favor a little bit as well. Especially considering O.J. Simpson couldn't for the Bills to win the AFC East. Yeah, but... I mean, that's not a huge knock, but we did credit Joe Montana for winning the Super Bowl earlier, so you got to look at everything, right? Fair. The... Bills also went to the Super Bowl four times and couldn't win it, right? There's there's more to it than O.J. Simpson being an amazing player. I, 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 I got to say, I'm voting for O.J. Simpson. Yeah, I, I got to go that way too because one thing we, we kind of touched on it, not only did O.J. Simpson rush for 2,003 yards, this was the first 2,000 yard se- rushing yard season in NFL history. Yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't able. It wasn't enough to help the Bills out more. But yeah, I think we got to go with OJ Simpson here, hundred percent. I mean, all right. So that's our final matchup of the day. OJ Simpson's moving on. We'll be facing Walter Payton. Very tough battle of the running backs in the next time that we see this division. But we have a whole other division to get to next week. Let's go ahead and preview some of those matchups, man. What do you say? Let's do it. So we will have Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos up against that 1990 Joe Montana that we had mentioned. <laughs> Tough matchup there, I will say. This is this is going to be brutal. And this was not uh, Peyton Manning getting a participation ring right. out of the Super Bowl. This was Peyton fucking Manning. Absolutely. Probably Peyton Manning's best season of his entire career. Which I is, think so. I think it was. Wow. Yeah. Those numbers. All right, moving on. <laughs> Next up, Dan Marino up against Terrell Davis. Dan Marino, one of the guys that everyone talks about, you know, being probably the best player to never win a Super Bowl. Terrell Davis got it done for him, the Denver Broncos. So a little bit of a conversation there. 
see how that one turns out. Another 2,000-yard rusher versus a 5,000-yard passer. This is going to be a fun conversation to have, for sure. Well, tugs on. You know which way this one's going. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in 2021. This year version of Aaron Rodgers up against the OG Green Bay Packer, Bart Starr, 1966. Do you have the next matchup, please? I'm just go back to that card real quick. I want to say that's a wild mismatch of stats. At the same time, we're looking at what sixty years difference between the two. The style of play is going to have to be a major part of that discussion. And fourteen touchdowns of three picks for Bart Starr—that's basically equally as impressive to me. He has thirty-seven touchdowns, four picks for Aaron Rodgers. That's going to well, be especially when you you look at the completion percentage; it's not that far off. Uh, and considering the game wasn't as pass-heavy and, right, you know, receivers weren't as protected. It's going to go in Bart Starr's favor for me. I'll just say it right <laughs> up front. So I want to see I want to see how hard I'm going to have to fight. So make sure to vote on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Next up, we will have Patrick Mahomes up against the only kicker, only special teamer ever to win the MVP, Mark Mosley, in 1982. On the strike-shortened season there, Eight and one, winning the Super Bowl. I love that a kicker is involved here, but I feel very bad for how much Mark Mosley is going to get absolutely shit on and beaten this. this, uh, <laughs> this one it's here. also brutal that he was probably not the best kicker of his era. I mean, that eighty-four point two percent on extra points is not very good. Yeah, <laughs> even in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, next up, we do have nineteen sixty-seven Johnny Unitas. This is our first instance of Johnny Unitas. We will see him again in future divisions. Up against Earl Campbell, the guy that Tug can't remember, apparently. Going to keep rubbing that in. <laughs> the Houston Oiler, the forever Houston Oiler, Earl, yeah. Earl Campbell. I uh, love both these guys. Huge legends of the game. Going to be a hard matchup just for that alone. I, I can't wait. And Steve Young up against Jim Taylor, another fullback winning the MVP in the very early years of the award's existence. But that 1994, Steve Young's got something to say about him moving on. That's uh, – I didn't mean to do that quite yet. We'll get there. Uh, Quite impressive for both men, honestly. And both their teams ended up winning the championship, whether it's the Super Bowl or the NFL championship, uh, as they didn't have a Super Bowl in 62. Either way, that's going to be a fun matchup. Next up, another battle of Green Bay Packer quarterbacks. 2014, Aaron Rodgers up against 1996, Brett Favre. Moving on, for book's sake. The last matchup of this division, we have Peyton Manning in 2004 up against Norm Van Brocklin. Now, one note I will say. Norm Van Brocklin. Technically, he did not win the AP MVP award. For some reason, the AP didn't hand out an MVP trophy in 1960. So what I did was I took every other organization's MVP. He was unanimous MVP from all other organizations that year. So we have Norm Van Brocklin for 1960. It very well could have been Johnny Unitas again if the AP had their say, but they didn't say. So we have Norm Van Brocklin instead, who... Moonlighted as a punter. <laughs> Fun stat there. 
makes makes no sense why the AP didn't pick somebody. And I know they just skipped a year and went right back to it the next year. So we didn't want to do that. We just we threw in Norm Van Brocklin, who won every other award imaginable in 1960. That's going to be tough. That's going to be very very tough to uh... man. Oh, a wild wrinkle to throw in there that he was also a punter and was a pretty good one at that. Yeah, yeah, especially for the time. 43, even 43-yard average now, like, that's an average. That's solid. That's solid. Yeah, I mean, that's you're getting a job in the NFL. Right. So those are the eight matchups that you will see next week in bracket time. Make sure you vote, as Logan's already said. It's on all three of our social media platforms, facebook.com slash football. Twitter, we are at BDT football. Instagram, we are BDT underscore football. And yeah, we need your help, man. Everywhere you can vote, vote three different times if you want to. If you want to hop on Patreon, patreon.com slash BDT football, you can totally bribe us and get your guy to move on that way. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. I will gladly take your money. And before we get out of here, we did want to get to question on Twitch. Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? I'm going to hand it off to you. I know you had some opinions brewing there. So this was this was actually from Facebook. We are live both on Twitch and Facebook. So, you know, hey, if you if you got a Twitch, go over to twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches, all one word. Uh, go over there, give us a follow. We're, we're working our way to affiliate. going to get some some good content out on there. Obviously, me and Tug are playing Madden on there. I'm going to start playing some other football games on there as well, and hopefully he'll move in that direction as well eventually too. However, back to the Matt Stafford debate. We already saw a guy that never won a Super Bowl, a quarterback that never won a Super Bowl. He's actually going to be part of bracket time next week, going to be in our polls this you know upcoming week. Dan Marino. Now, a lot of people are drawing the comparison between Marino and Stafford, and maybe that's only because, you know, Stafford was on so many bad Lions teams and the Dolphins. Let's just face it. The Dolphins were better overall than the Lions ever were. So at least in that regard, I think Stafford has an edge on him. You know, forget the fact that he actually won a ring, right? Like that, that's obviously something he's always going to have over him. You look at stats, okay, maybe maybe he doesn't quite have it the same way Marino does or, you know, some other guys that are in the Hall of Fame. And I do think the bar has been lowered uh, for getting into the Hall of Fame for coaches and quarterbacks especially. quarterbacks, right. Yeah, quarterbacks and coaches especially. And Richard Sherman feels, shares that sentiment. I don't disagree with him at all on that. But what I will say in regards to Matt Stafford, the two singular best seasons by a wide receiver they both caught the ball that was being thrown by Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson was a first ballot Hall of Famer I don't know that Cooper Cope will be right it is way too early so if he keeps it up he will be oh absolutely absolutely (laughs) if he has three more consecutive years like this one he definitely will be right (laughs) anything's possible (laughs) yeah I mean and it is way too early to put Cooper Cup in this conversation yeah, I mean, top three in passing passing yards and TDs from 2011 to 2017. And a lot of that, too, comes in garbage time when he was playing for the for the Detroit Lions. You know, we've called him Pat Stafford or Stat Padford. There we go. There you like, go. Yeah. it's 
it, it is it's brutal, right? He endured a lot of hard years in Detroit. He showed a lot of loyalty to that team. Even, you know, if you watch some of the, the you know, hours of pregame leading into the Super Bowl, his wife even talked about it. he had a hard time leaving Detroit because he's loyal to a fault, which, you know, shouldn't play into an MVP conversation. But, man, it is – it was said for a long time that he was the second-best quarterback in the NFC North behind Aaron Rodgers. I – you you can't deny it seeing what he's able to do with a roster of this caliber out in LA. I believe he is on the very edge. There is a reason we have to have the discussion, right? Yeah. He is very close to being a Hall of Famer. I don't believe he is there just yet. In some categories, he would like meet my criteria if he plays just one more season. He's about mm-hmm. to clear five fifty thousand career passing yards. That's impressive. You know, he's already twelfth all time on that list. Assuming he plays healthy all of next season, he will pass John Elway for number eleven all time career passing yards. I mean, he is. Up there with touchdowns, too. I mean, the guy has thrown 323 career touchdown passes. That is impressive. You know, you have to be a certain level of competent to start in the NFL for 12 years, right? At the same time, you can't say he has been the best player at his position at any point in his career. Maybe he's been a podium guy. Maybe he's been top three in some years. He has never been the best at his position in any given season. And I, he hasn't <laughs> been the best in the league either, right? I, I think that's the right. the one thing that separates him from Philip Rivers, who's another guy we have a very long conversation about right. know, when it comes to this. Even longer because he doesn't have a ring. Right? He doesn't have Stafford a ring. Is, Stafford feels closer because of this. Does he need an MVP? If he gets an MVP, I think I, I think I'll, I can speak for it. I think he gets an MVP. I think that cements it in your mind. It does. It would. I. But does he need the MVP to get it, period, Dot. I think that's where the question no. really has to come into play here because, as we've kind of talked about, the MVP is – It's not, not <laughs> Yeah, it's not everything. It's right. not everything that it needs to be. You're just like the Burt Jones, right? I yeah. mean, it's definitely not everything. But it, what it signifies is important for you to be the best player in the league. Maybe take it with as much of a grain of salt as you want to. NFL MVP is almost anymore the best quarterback in the league. So let's say that's what it is. To be the best quarterback in the league would solidify it for sure for me. You don't need that necessarily. It would help a lot. <laughs> If you don't get MVP, if he keeps this level of play up for another four or five years, I could still see it being likely that he gets in. If he wins MVP, he is already a Hall of Famer. Let's put it that way. 100%. And, Bobby, I I completely agree that Cooper Cup should have won the MVP. I the regular season MVP. Uh, you'll get you'll hear no argument from us. That is that is not a homer take in our right. opinions at all. 
And if he comes back next year, puts up numbers like this year, and gets the NFC Championship game, does that change anything without winning the MVP? So let's let's put that caveat on there because that's been where our conversation's been. I again, man, like he he definitely makes his case stronger, and you know, it's tough when you talk about quarterbacks too, right? Because the MVP is very quarterback centric. The there have been so many quarterbacks that win the MVP. There's so many guys that are in the Hall of Fame that never sniffed an MVP because of their position, right? So it, if he comes back and has numbers like that, I think the case gets a little bit easier for him without an MVP, absolutely. But I still think you're going to end up having this conversation because for whatever reason, quarterbacks aren't just measured like there's so many boxes that need to be checked to get a unanimous right. feeling from everybody. And that's why this conversation is what it is. That's why the Philip Rivers conversation is what it is, because in a lot of ways, he deserves it too. The only thing Big Ben has over him is the Super Bowls. I don't think Ben's won an MVP. He has not. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Right. I will say, so I I think I'm going to stick to my guns here and really kind of hammer it home even. If Matt Stafford clears, say... 4,100 yards for the next four or five years. It doesn't matter to me whether he makes another NFC Championship game or not. It doesn't matter to me if he makes another Super Bowl or not. He would be a Hall of Famer to me. If he doesn't do that, but next year he wins an MVP, he's in. Right? That kind of shortens the distance or career totals of a hurdle to me, but you don't necessarily need it. Yeah, I mean, and the other big thing, too, is we're absolutely in the age of the quarterback, and for that matter, the receiver, uh, with the way the rules are now and just everything else everything else out there. It's, it's doable, and I, I can't think of somebody more deserving with all the shit that he's put up with his entire career. And I know. I, that's why that's why I love seeing him get a ring. That's why I loved, you know, that little bit of Rams fan that's still in me from when I was a kid watching the greatest show on turf. Like all of it, it was it was a great Super Bowl. <clears throat> I'm glad to see Stafford finally have success. It kind of shows, uh, you know, while the Rams got rid of all of their first round picks for forever to get him, uh, it shows that maybe that might be better for them because when they pick number one overall. It's, uh, it doesn't end up being great anyway. You end up making bad financial decisions. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, I was very happy to see Stafford win one. I don't care for the Rams organization. I have no interest either way with that, like what you're saying. But, man, to see Matt Stafford hoist the Lombardi, that, that would be, man, that's the same feeling for me as when Andy Reid won his first one. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, this guy, it feels like he deserves it, man. Yeah, I mean, what what can you say, right? What can you say? Anyway, I think that's going to about do it for us as far as... Uh, yeah, as far as basically the entire show. I don't know what else we have to talk about here. And we certainly put in a good two hours worth of content. So if you're dissatisfied, hey, hit us up on Patreon. Let us know, right? Yeah, we'll we'll find a way to to make it better for you. 
Um, uh, thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, if you're watching us live anywhere, thank you for being here. Thank you for participating in the chat. Uh, Bobby, as you saw, your questions do get answered. So hang out with us live. Talk with us. Do appreciate it. If you would check us out in the future live, you can do that. I know Bug already shouted out the links. I'll do it again here real quick. Um, you can go to Facebook, facebook.com slash football or twitch.tv slash big dudes in the trenches, all one word. Of course, you can also listen to us after the fact. Anywhere that you would find regular podcasts, right? Apple, Spotify, all those places, all those, all those great platforms that we know and love. Um, thank you so much for checking us out. And that's all I got. So I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, you know, uh, if you go to bdtfootball.com, Doug has put out a couple of mock drafts, and I'm sure Tug will get to that as well at some point in the near future. I'm actually going to be putting out a, uh, a blog here that I've, I've written, rewritten, and kind of gone through a couple times talking about getting football, American football, into the Olympics. Check that out. It should be up. If I don't do it immediately after we get off this podcast, it should be out tomorrow. So look forward to that. I had a lot of fun writing about it. I could even probably do more research and expand on it even more in the future. Uh, it's definitely something that I would love to see. With the games coming to L.A. in 2028, I am definitely intrigued to see if maybe we get another uh, demonstration game at the games like we did way back in the 50s or 60s, whenever it was. The last time it was in L.A., ironically. Wouldn't that be so much better than a Pro Bowl? That would be a hundred <laughs> times better than the Pro Bowl. But, uh, you know, it's a five-minute walk from my house to the bar. But it's a 45-minute walk from the bar back to my house. The difference is staggering, man. I can't, I can't do it. Well, I usually say there's something really wrong with my legs. Because, you know, you put left foot in front of the right foot, and the right foot in front of the left foot, and then I end up at the liquor store, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> beautiful. Yes, beautiful. We got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, thank you. We look forward to seeing you back. Tell your friends, uh, hey, get on, get on Twitch and do it. You know, tell and your friends to come follow these us. Polls. Polls. Absolutely. These polls, make sure, make sure to tell people you're going help. on these polls. Uh, yeah, Tug's thing? Hell no. Yeah. Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs>